for those of you who um, don't know me, um, my name is James Oxford, um, and I'm one of the elders here at Sunbury's Road Mission. And yeah, I currently oversee and coordinate uh, what is formerly known as our worship ministry. And yeah, this morning, I want to spend a bit of time looking at God's purposes for singing in the church. And yeah, this message has been on my heart for a while now, and it is a journey which I believe is for the entire church. And changing how we um, sing to reflect God's purposes will transform lives for his glory. And this is something that I've been journeying with um, for a while now. Um, and yeah, I particularly uh, spent quite a bit of time studying this in depth whilst I was on my sabbatical earlier this year. And yeah, what I'm about to talk to you about this morning is not my own agenda, but is based on God's word. And yeah, let me say from the beginning, um, that I'm not going to be able to cover everything this morning. But we will start a journey by looking at some key Bible passages to help us understand how the gospel affects our feelings and how much value we should place on singing in the church. But let's first pray and commit this time to God. Yeah, Father, I want to thank you for your goodness and for your purposes. And we thank you that you are fulfilling your purposes with the new building. And I thank you for your promises and for your word. And we can completely stand in faith on them. And I pray, Lord, as we look at your word this morning and your purposes for singing in the church, that we would leave all our preconceptions behind. Lord, let your word inform and inspire fresh understanding of worship, the church, our hearts, and singing. Ultimately, we want to see your purposes fulfilled in this place. So, so it would transform lives for your glory every time we gather as your people. Amen. Do you want me to switch mics or... Are you all right? Okay, great. So, why on earth do we sing at church? It's a question that we almost never ask out, out loud, and yet it's a question that is cent central to the life of a Christian. You know, singing has been a part of my life as long as I can remember. Uh, growing up, I was in choirs throughout my time at school. I recorded an album called True Colors as part of a big community project with around 30 different children. I, s I have sang at St. George's Hall, uh, sang at the Royal Halbert Hall too, and I have even sang at Disneyland. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I've been leading music in church for over 10 years now. Doesn't time go quick. <laughs> um, but I can't imagine my life without singing. And yeah, there may be some of you this morning that share my love and passion for music. But then, there may be some of you that don't. 
You know, there might be some here this morning who patiently enjoys the singing on a Sunday morning until you hear what you came for, the message. You know, for some of us, we have simply forgotten what it is to be alive. It is safer for us not to feel anything rather than truly engage with the Lord of all creation and with each other. However, when Christians sing, we plug into God's great design for his church. Singing helps us know and feel the truth. It can train us in godly living. It's about, it is about us being intimate with the creator of all things. When our affections are moved by the gospel, we begin to become alive in Christ and we are prepared to live radically and passionately for him. For many of us, that is just too frightening. Before we can start to rediscover God's purposes for singing in the church, we have to make some sense of what true worship is. Is it something we do? Is it how we feel? Is it about approaching God in the right way? Is it something we do to please him? Is it just the singing part of our service? Or is it actually just a way of describing our Sunday services. You know, most of us have been so conditioned to think about worship in these sort of ways that it becomes way too easy for us to read our own meaning back into the Bible, yet have no real clue of how to worship God the way he intends. You know, none of this is helped by uh, the, yeah, the problem of language. Worship is actually an English word which means to offer someone or something honour and respect. It's a bit like the way you would treat someone greater than yourself, like the Queen, or maybe a favourite celebrity, or even someone you're in love with. However, the Bible wasn't originally written in English. Praise God. <laughs> and, you know, our translation, um, the word worship is actually used to translate a whole different um, words found in the Hebrew and the Greek, such as bow, serve, bless, glorify, or even to kiss. Reading our Bibles, as good as they are, you won't always know what is behind the word worship when you see it written down. In the Bible, worship never simply equals singing. And for, a matter, for that matter, singing is never described as worship. What we do see, however, is that true worship is much bigger than all the things that can happen in a church service. And it's important that we understand this because when we get worship wrong, we can quickly start to undermine the gospel of grace. As soon as we approach God on our own terms to please him, we deny the power 
of the cross to make us right with him. You know, the New Testament helps us understand worship in two key ways. On one hand, we see that God is moving history to the point where the whole of creation will submit to Jesus for Lord of all creation. All people will bow before him. And we sang that just a few moments ago. On the other hand, we see that worship, sorry, we see that true worship is that genuine engagement with God that requires Jesus giving his new life. Worship is therefore fundamentally about the attitude of our hearts. Without the transformational power that Jesus offers, we can never approach God with the genuine honor he demands from his creation. By saving me, Jesus replaced my corrupt heart with all of its worldly longings for satis uh, satisfaction with the one that finds delight in honoring the Lord of all creation. Fun uh, worship fundamentally concerns the standing of our hearts. We see that in Romans 12 verse 1 that worship is a way of life. In Christ, we, we worship in spirit and in truth. In him, our hearts are made acceptable to God alongside anything we can contribute. In him, our hearts are enabled for service. A heart of a true worship is one that looks not for satisfaction in the world or anything that we can achieve, but instead is fed and nurtured by the living water from the well that never runs dry. The cross shows us that there's nothing more beautiful, nothing greater to experience, nothing deeper to be understood, and no desire worth pursuing more than Christ. We are designed to worship God through Christ. Amen. And so that leaves us with the following question then. If the Bible doesn't see worship and singing as the same thing, then what place does singing have in God's picture for his people? In scripture, we see that singing has a profound role in the lives of those who are true worshippers of God. On its own, singing can never satisfy those desires that true worship can, which is giving your life to Christ and to serving him. However, singing is the language of our affections and is used by God to plant the word of Christ in our hearts for those who long to be touched, filled, and changed by his perfect love. We only have to look at scripture to see that God himself is passionate about singing. The Bible contains over 400 references to singing and 50 direct commands to sing. In fact, singing is one of the most commanded acts in scripture. The longest book in the Bible, the Psalms, is a book of songs. God's heart for settling words to melody is evident 
from even the casual readings from the Psalms. So, for example, Psalm 96, verse 1 and 2 says, Or sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Here's another one. Psalm 47, verse 6. It says, Sing to the Lord, sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. In just three verses, we are commanded to sing seven times. We get a small glimpse of it here. So then, why does God so often tell us to, to not simply praise him, but to sing his praises when we meet? Why not just pray and preach? Why sing? Why are God's people throughout history always singing? Why words and music are not words alone? Why does God want us to sing? One reason is that God himself sings. In Zephaniah 3, 17, we get a glimpse of this. God exalts over his people with loud singing. He sings over those whom he has removed all judgment. He sings over a re rebellious people who he has restored. He sings over those who have no righteousness in themselves. On the eve of Jesus' crucifixion, we read in Matthew 26, uh, verse 30, that Jesus sang hymns with his disciples. Hebrews 2 verse 12 implies Psalm 22 verse 22 to Jesus when it says, In the midst of your, the congregation, I will sing your praises. We worship a triune God who sings and he wants us to be like him. The Apostle Paul fully understood this. Paul lays out God's true purposes for singing in the, in the church and he helps us to understand our singing theologically. We have to remember though that whilst both worship and music involves the human heart, Paul never talks about singing in the context of worship. He only ever talks about singing in the context of the doctrine of the church. It is Paul's description of the nature of the church that helps us shape a theology of singing that is centered on the word of Christ and the works of the Holy Spirit. We know that church is not a building or an organization. The word church in the Greek just simply means the assembly or the gathering of people. And God's church gathers around its saviour, Jesus Christ. The church is people. We strive to encourage, to build one another up in Christ while we exist to offer prayers and praise to God in all things. 
The Bible tells us in Psalm 147, verse 1, it says, Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing. Praise to our God, for it is pleasant. A song of praise is fitting. You know, music and the word ain't meant to be in conflict with one another. However, music is there to serve the word. When that relationship is understood and appreciated, music becomes a powerful gift from God that complements, supports, and deepens the impact of the words we sing. In fact, Paul sees singing as a ministry of the word. So if you'd like to turn to me to 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26. And it says this, What then, brothers, when you come together, one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all these things be done for building up. In these verses, we see Paul is setting singing in the, is, it singing in the setting of a Christian meeting. It seems normal for a member of the Corinthian church to contribute in various ways during their time together, which included bringing a, a hymn along. Without knowing what this may have actually looked like, we see that Paul is saying, if you do it, then do it to build up the assembly. But then, how is bringing a hymn along going to build up the church? Interestingly, Paul lists this, um, yeah, lists this amongst lessons, revelation, tongues, and interpretations. All these are word ministries. By this, I mean it's an activity that involves communicating God's gospel to his people and to the world. Yes, singing is a word ministry. Although singing does allow us to express praise, in this context, Singing is listed with other spoken activities that has the express purpose of building up the body. As we un unveil this a little bit more, we'll see that this word focused is fundamental to Christian singing. And we get a glimpse of this when we sing the song, Come Now Fount. It says, Come Now Fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing grace you know music helps us to remember words have you ever noticed how easy it is to recall a hymn that we sang when you were growing up or even a tv jingle for the 80s i'm sure if i named a few you'd be able to roll them off your tongue um or maybe a nursery rhyme christmas carols pop songs you learned when you was a teenager you might be driving in the car and a song comes on the radio that you haven't heard in 20 minutes, yet you can pretty much sing it word from word. You know, we store hundreds, literally thousands of songs 
in our memories, ready to be accessed at a moment's notice. Music has a powerful ability that scientists are only just beginning to discover. They are discovering that our minds are hardwired to recognize, categorize, and remember patterns in music better than we remember patterns in words alone. You know, this is not a coincidence. We are created this way by a God who has a purpose. And in Deuteronomy 31, uh, verses uh, 21, God himself used music to help his people remember his words. We see in, these, in this chapter and these verses that as the Israelites are about to enter the promised land, God instructed Moses to teach the Israelites a song so that when many evils and troubles came upon them, the song would comfort them as a witness. We should sing words that God wants us to remember. It not only matters that we sing, it matters what we sing. The words that we sing have a far greater impact than most of us are aware. Again, Apostle Paul fully understood this when he wrote his epistles. So let's have another look then at another key Bible passage. Uh, Colossians 3, verse 15 to 17. And let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, to which you are indeed called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and abolishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. In verse 15, we see that Paul is talking about the church, the body in which we are called to be a part of. It sets up that, this idea that Christ not only just lives, uh, lives within us as individuals, but also as his community. And that because Christ lives in us, we are to be thankful. What verses 16 then does, it takes these ideas of the indwelling of Christ and the church's thankfulness and gives them a practical expression. In this, we gain an amazing view for God's eternal purposes. The longing for his son to live within our hearts of his, of his people in a way that would transform their desires, words, actions, and emotions. And singing can have a key role to play in this. Here we have a series of applications built on the foundation of Christ, creating a structure that shows both the beauty of the church and a special place that singing has.
has in God's purposes for us. So, application one, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. What drives these verses is the indwelling word of Christ. It is the word of Christ, the word about Christ. It is the gospel itself, the good news of salvation in Christ. In fact, it's all of scripture because all of scripture points towards Jesus. Remember, we are commanded in Psalm 96 verse 2 to tell of his salvation from day to day. It's not a musical experiences or emotional highs that we are to, that are to dwell in as richly as we sing. It is scripture. There is certainly a place for expressing our subjective response to God in song. But a greater proportion of our lyrical diet should be the objective truths where that, that we're responding to God's word, his character, his works, especially his works of sending his son to be our atoning sacrifice. The Christian, assemble, Christian, the Christian assembly is filled with Jesus, clothed in his word, with a profound richness that touches every part of our lives, relationships, and ministry. The second application is that we have an important role to play in God's ministry of Christ to us. We are to teach the word of Christ to one another. It may be that some in the church have a specific teaching role but nonetheless, there is an inheritance teaching responsibility that belongs to the whole body. In fact, Paul uses similar words in Colossians 1, 28 to outline the very purposes of his historic ministry. And it says this, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. By implication, we too should be looking to one another to grow, to see, sorry. By implication, we too should be looking to see each other grow in maturity in Christ as we engage in the ministry of the word to one another. What we then see in these verses is the immediate application of this truth that we can teach the word of Christ by singing it to the assembly. Yes, we still need gifted pastors and teachers in the church as the word is taught by a whole different range of contexts. But here Paul uses singing as a prime example of how the whole church can teach, correct and encourage each other with the gospel. You know, that means then our lyrics of our song should reflect a broad theme of scripture, not just simply the scriptures that we are fond of. <laughs> a few understood this, uh, uh, yeah, a few understood this better than uh, John and Charles Wedley. They wrote over 6,000 hymns. Wow. 
And, you know, they wasn't attempting to write songs that would be popular. They wanted to teach the church. They wanted to give people a song that would fill them with the word of Christ. They understood that songs would never place, replace preaching, but it can serve as a significant complement to it. For the third application then, Paul then reminds us that thankfulness is a core affection stirred by the indwelling of Christ. If Christ owns our hearts, then the first response to his rule will be from the heart. It is worth pointing out here that when the New Testament is talking about the heart, it is not talking just purely about our emotional center, but also the mind and our all inner self. We often like to separate the head from the heart, but to sing from the heart in biblical terms is on the same lines of Psalm 103, which says, Bless the Lord, all my soul, and all, not just a little bit, all that is within me. Bless his holy name. The reasons why the saints throughout the scripture and throughout history sang so much was because it was almost, because it was the most appropriate way of outwardly expressing a response to God's salvation with a genuine heart thanks, heart level thankfulness. You know, Mary, for example, sings in Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 47. She, she sings this, My soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Of course you can sing without your heart engaged. But within God's great design, singing comes pretty close to being the most natural way to outwardly express our affections of the heart that is inspired by the gospel. So these three characteristics, Christ dwelling in us, teaching one another in song and responding to God with hearts of gratitude profoundly shapes Christian singing. But there is still one big idea of singing to come and it flows out of these. And it's this, teaching one another and responding with thankfulness is how God uses our singing to minister Jesus to us. The reason why our singing is so important comes in verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Paul shows us that, that what our singing and equally all word ministries, whether preached in a sermon or read to ourselves, is ultimately about, which is God's plan to transform our way of living. The implication of this 
is that authentic singing, rich in scripture, trains us to be authentically thankful people in everything and in every circumstance. It helps us to express emotions about Jesus when we are together. It helps us experience the joys of salvation when we sing gospel truths. But whilst expressing thankfulness and joy in song, it is totally a worthy thing in itself. Our singing has a greater purpose. The same emotion in our singing should be evident in our lives. In the things we say, do, and think. The indwelling word of Christ does not just affect our gatherings, but should and will lead us to a transformed heart, minds, and actions. Corinthians, Colossians 3, 17 says, We are to be thankful, heart and gay servants of God in everything. We serve our Lord, not in bride obedience, but with all of our being. We mind, heart, and actions engaged in thankful service. Just as we submit our bodies to God, we submit our emotions and serve him joyfully in every situation in plenty or in famine in freedom or in prison singing with our hearts plugged in trains us to do this if singing whenever we gather as Christians is about teaching the word and responding in thanks it is equally about equipping us to engage the heart in every part of our lives as we live for Jesus. So, if this is a key, if this is God's purposes for singing in the church, then you would expect it to be somewhere else in the Bible. And this is exactly where we f- what we find in Ephesians 5, 15 to 21. If you like to turn there. Well, I just have a quick drink. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as the unwise, but the wise, making the best use of your time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. At first glance, then, we see big similarities. We sing we see that singing, we, we are to sing to one another. That singing is from our hearts to God, and that singing trains us for godly living. These verses pretty much parallel Colossians 3, 16 to 17. But where the source of our singing in, the, in Colossians is the word, O Christ, 
Here, the emphasis is the fact that we are filled with his spirit. You know, Paul is trying to show us two sides of a coin, but with different emphasis in each passage. On one side, we see that the marks of a spirit-filled Christian include singing to one another and making melody in our hearts to God. Whereas on the other side, we see that the the word-indwelt Christian teaches the truth with gratitude. Both our eyes to each other and to God. But these passages have different emphasis. It doesn't mean then there's two types of Christians and somehow we've got to choose which side of the fence that we're on. The reality is that when we are in Christ, his word dwells in us and that we are spirit-filled. We are to sing to build up the church in the gospel and we are to sing to offer our heart's response to thanks and praise to God. Singing, as much as it is a, is a word ministry, it is equally an activity of the spirit. The word and the spirit work together, profoundly af- affecting the heart, mind, intellect and emotions as we sing. The New Testament passages therefore help us to understand our singing in, in, a, in terms of a freeway relationship. God ministers his word through the works of the Holy Spirit. We take part in that ministry as we sing and teach the word to one another. And we minister God as we respond with thankfulness. All of which prepares us for the works of thankful service. Singing is a very real and tangible expression for, ch- for the church living out its purposes in Christ. Therefore, as an overseer of this ministry, the way I will give to uh, getting singing right in the life of this church will reflect the values given to other word ministries. Therefore, we need to get the word in song absolutely right. We're running out of time and we could unpack this a lot more. But practically, I don't think that Paul envisages uh, for each song we sing to achieve all these goals. But across the whole music ministry of our church and with the context of other word ministries, There should be teaching, encouragement, and response. Some of the songs will do one thing well, and others will do another. But I believe here at Sunbury's Road Mission, we have a wide range of songs driven by the word of Christ that teaches the whole biblical story and its theology. (coughs) that reflects our unity with one another in Christ and allows us to respond to the gospel with genuine and right emotion. Every time I look at his purposes for singing in the church, I am amazed how God uses such a lovely part of his creation in such an important role in helping us know Jesus and be transformed by him. But the problem is, our concerns are often too different from this. 
it's like, you know, rather it's whether or not we are putting enough hymns in the service, whether we cut the last song because the sermon has gone on too long, whether the music is too loud or there are far too many repeats. Let us remember it is not about our purposes or our agenda or even our preferences, but it's about God's. The New Testament rightly doesn't give us any practical detail how we should go about choosing music, church music. <laughs> it would look very odd if we were to do the same things that Paul and the early church did in this day and age. But rather, our singing is to reflect the profound purposes that God has for his people. Our hymn should be to pursue God's goal for singing in the church which is all about the word of Christ dwelling in his church, edifying one another, and is about us responding to him with, grati with gratitude in our hearts. You know, my aim with the music here on a Sunday morning and evening is no longer about getting the right balance between hymns and contemporary songs. Rather, it is to allow God to achieve all of his great purposes for his people within the context of meeting with one another. You know, this is why I want every growth group in the church to incorporate singing as a normal part of their group. If we are to fully experience God's purposes, then we fully need to embrace it. We need to live it out. We need to be teaching our children and building them up in the word of Christ so they can see and so, so they can see and experience and be changed by his perfect love i'm going to invite the band back up and as i do that as they come up you know i just want to say we are blessed as a church to have very gifted and talented musicians who are passionate about Jesus and wants to see God live out his purposes in the church. We are blessed that we have a technic the technical support from our visual and audio teams to support us to be able to build each other up in his word. And we also are blessed to have great leaders who lead our services really well and who are passionate about seeing God live out his purposes here in church. So rediscovering God's purposes for singing in the church and to enrich our singing is going to be one heck of a journey, which I believe God is taking us on as a church and is one which the music ministry will be embarking on over the next year. Our singing is a ministry of God's word. It is for teaching, edification, and a thankful response to the gospel. It is a result of Christ dwelling in our hearts, and in our hearts, his word and spirit. You know, I've unpacked a lot this morning in such a short time. I've not said everything that I wanted to, um, but what I'll do is make sure that there's some, um, yeah, some transcripts 
on this message available from next week. So you can read it and you can digest it. And hopefully we've been successful in reco recording this. So you'll be able, hopefully be able to kind of re-listen to the message which will be available on our website. So as we finish our service with a time of singing this morning. Let's let God minister his word to us through the works of his Holy Spirit. Let's take part in that by this ministry as we sing and teach the word to one another. And let's minister to God as we respond with thankfulness. So let us fully embrace it. Don't miss out on God's profound purposes for his church and for our lives. Let's stand.